To the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. Yes. Uh, I missed a week, as predicted, if you listened to the last episode. Yeah, that's fine. You know, we're just sort of, uh, we miss a week, we miss a week. We don't miss a week, that's also fine. Right? Who gives a shit? Uh, I don't know, maybe somebody does. But uh, it's not really me, per se. Uh, I think I'm just opening up the various windows to the various, uh, internet and movie and game things I want to talk about in this episode. Oh, seems like I got a nice friggin' chunk of movies. I guess that's something to do with the fact that uh, I haven't recorded in a little bit. So yeah, I got a bunch of TV shows and lastly, oh, what happened there? Oh. This had like an update pop up. Uh, yes. Okay. So let's do movies first, starting with from 2021 Candyman, 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 Candyman. That is only four times. The Mrs. And I uh, watched this, obviously, uh, being the horror, horror buff that she is. Um, she did tell me a story and because she doesn't listen to the podcast, this is her punishment about how, when she was, uh, when let's see when the original came out, actually candy, man. So the original was 1992 and we were born in 1981. So, uh, let's do a calculator. So no, that can't be right. Can it? I guess she would have been pretty young. <laughs> 1981. Uh, minus 1992. Yeah, so but around 11, 12, somewhere in that neighborhood probably is when she saw it. No, that can't be right because it was high school. Because it was, she mentioned someone who we went to high school with. <laughs> so it must have been like grade 7 or 8 or somewhere in there. Anyways, uh, w watched this movie and then um, had to, at a sleepover. And then I had to call her mom to come pick her up, which, uh, you know, I shouldn't laugh, but I did. I really, really did. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the fact that she wanted to, this shows that she's brave. Yeah. There you go. A sequel to the horror film Candyman from 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began, which is interesting because we were both actually under the impression that it was a... Uh, remake, not a, uh, not a reboot. Is it a reboot or just a sequel? I guess it is, which is interesting to make a sequel to a 1999 movie in 2022. Yeah. And I don't mind it. And actually on that note, I didn't mind the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I know exactly why I didn't mind the movie. Uh, it's because, uh, on more than one occasion I found, uh, that, things were happening that I was not expecting, which, uh, you know, longtime listeners, all of you lovely longtime listeners will, uh, realize that, uh, uh, when that happens and I have that element of surprise and, uh, the, the, the ability to, uh, sort of not know <laughs> the ability to not know, uh, is exciting. And, uh, particularly in a, horror movie, I suppose, where quite often they are the most predictable. Uh, it, it was a nice change of pace. It wasn't necessarily scary per se. Uh, however, however, I did, uh, enjoy the sort of, uh, uh, the, the, the trying to figure out the rules of this. Like one of the ones we thought of, if I say, well, I've already said it four times. I can't say it again. If I say this gentleman's name, uh, three times, uh, on one day and then, you know, wait a week and then say it another two times. Does that count as five times that you have to say it? I don't know. I don't know if I am singing the song, uh, of the, uh, Sammy Davis jr. Song. I imagine they say that word in it, uh, five times. Uh, does that count or do I need the intention of saying it for the purposes of this? If I play, Oh, you know what? Maybe that's how Sammy Davis jr. Died. Hmm. 
interesting thought rating wise yeah i'd go like a four uh one thing it did as well is we now want to watch the original so uh, you'll probably see that coming up in not too long if i had to guess which um is not bad either if i do recall uh, i do remember it has uh stars tony todd who is one of the first uh, i think the second actually person who i ever got their autograph the first of course being oh god uh what the hell is his name john barrowman yeah that was the first uh if you have no idea what i'm talking about with regards to autographs you could uh google a uh, nerd cane adventures and see a cane being autographed by a bunch of nerdy celebrities held by hundreds of uh cosplayers and a general nerdy vibe with a cane in it for some reason weird speaking of weird oh segue that actually makes sense labyrinth from 1986 16 year old sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother toby when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by goblin king jareth goblin king jareth of course played by david bowie why wouldn't he be uh the uh, the aforementioned uh, uh, girl played by uh, jennifer connelly and <laughs> Toby's actual name was Toby. Huh, that's interesting. Just looking at the IMDb here. Uh, so I uh, had a friend over, uh, as we do from time to time, and uh, we're going to watch a movie, which is, uh, you know, that's sort of is our want to do quite often when we have a guest over is, you know, through a movie on. Uh, uh, and I've sort of spoken of it recently. I think that watching bad movies is better to do with company than good movies. And I'm not saying this is a bad movie. It's a fucked up movie. It's, it's pretty crazy. And the person we watch it with is younger than us as well. She's like in her late twenties. I want to say, I actually am not a hundred percent sure, but I think late twenties, uh, and had never even heard of the labyrinth. <laughs> so I kind of feel like we did her dirty. Like we did Warner and she did watch the trailer before coming over. Um, uh, what I, what I do in this situation, uh, and something I do for the missus as well is, you know, uh, make a list of four or five movies and say, do any of these appeal? And I always phrase it in a way of, you know, if none of these appeal, that's fine. If there's anything you're been interested to see, we'll see if we can get that as well. Like I, I try never to be pushy with it. Uh, however, this was one of the movies on the list. And, uh, when the missus found out that it was on the list, she may have gone behind my back, the little minx, uh, and sort of swayed the, uh, the, the person in order to uh, get her to pick this one, which I'm glad she did because, uh, it was nice to see through fresh eyes how insane this movie is. Uh, yeah, if you're unfamiliar, I would highly recommend it. Easy, easy five out of five. No questions asked. It's a Jim Henson joint. Uh, and this definitely, oh, Terry Jones. Yeah, it definitely feels like, uh, because it is directed by Jim Henson, he just sort of like went, he, he was let loose and a let loose Jim Henson creates some of the, the craziest visuals that I think for the most part stand up to this day. Like it's all practical effects. The sets on this uh, movie are just incredible. Probably the most incredible practical sets that I think I can think of at least off the top of my head uh highly recommend beautiful movie insane singing yeah you, you want some musical numbers in there as well <laughs> some of them are better than others when it comes to that and that's not something i sort of uh, appeals greatly but you know when you're gonna have david bowie as the goblin king jareth you're gonna want to get uh, you're gonna want to get a couple of songs in there aren't you It'd be silly not to. Then there's the sort of weird, you know, weird on weird here, uh, which I don't think I ever noticed until this viewing, uh, is that, uh, uh you know, the sort of semi-sexual relationship between David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly and the age difference that makes it weird on weird. Uh, I'm also seeing that Brian Henson, I assume that's his son, was the voice of Hoggle. And then the body of Hoggo was played by Sherry Weiser. That's interesting. Hmm. You got Frank Oz in there. Oh, pretty good. 
Just looking through. It's wait, how come some of them have two voices? Diddy Mouse. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend Labyrinth if you haven't seen it. Speaking of amazing movies, oh, another good segue that makes sense. From 2021, Spider-Man colon No Way Home. Or should I say Spider-Man colon No Way Home? Yeah, I should say that, and I have now. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse might still be my favorite, but I say might still be my favorite Spider-Man movie because this one was incredible. Um, I love the addition slash plot reasoning of Dr. Strange being involved uh, with Dr. Strange involved, uh, and you know, magic, you can kind of do anything, uh, which is why he's one of my favorite uh, characters, Dr. Strange, uh, and you know, being a you know, fantasy loving, uh, uh, wizard being my favorite D and D class nerdish type, uh, you know, I'm probably not alone in that fact. Um, I didn't give a spoiler warning at the top of the show, so I am giving one now by talking slowly during it so that you can prepare yourself for spoilers with ample opportunity to not have them happen. I went into this with it semi-spoiled. I knew... Like there was in trailers and stuff that there would be, uh, f uh, bad guys from previous Spider-Man movies that was unavoidable. I think I made it within like two or three weeks of watching this, of not knowing that other Spider-Man would be in this. <laughs> so I, I got real close, but then I kind of did know. And you know what? Uh, you can almost do that leap. Can't you? Like if you see the green goblin, or uh, Doc Ock, I think was the one that was in trailers. If you see Doc Ock in the newest Spider-Man movie, that's weird because, you know, he died, didn't he? And he was in a different person's uh, Spider-Man movie. So uh, how is he here? Uh, you could sort of do that leap of, okay, well, if he's here, it would almost be silly not to have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield up in, up in the house, which uh, uh, it, it was just a goddamn delight to see these three. You know what it almost felt like, too? And I don't know if this is just acting or what I prefer to believe is that it is true emotions that came through on screen. And that is that they genuinely just kind of liked one another. Like I like to picture these three just kind of hanging out now. It's almost like uh, when I talked of, spoke of even the last laugh and how I hope and wish and think and have to believe that Tom Green and Colin Mockery are now friends. They're somewhere uh, uh, sitting having a drink on a beach is my hope and desire. Um, uh, when Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter asked Dr. Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. So I almost feel like it's was a little strange, which, you know, maybe that's okay. Cause that's his name that he agreed to do the spell. Like, isn't his deal, you know, to protect against dangerous magics? Isn't that sort of his underlying, you know, shtick, if you will? So, uh, to, you know, initiate this spell, which ends up, you know, just fucking shit up, uh, seemed like it was a little out of character. I don't know. Am I crazy? I mean, yes. Uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya. That was also, uh, nice to see. She's in, uh, she's incredible. Uh, the two of them together, uh, I don't know, similar to <laughs> the three Spider-Men, uh, if I could feel that, uh, the, the actual relation IRL relationship through their performances, but I feel like I could, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, they make an adorable couple and I wish them well moving on to from 1989, Oh, let me read the IMDb and then you'll know the movie. Even though it's only a short, this is maybe the shortest IMDb I've ever seen, uh, which is apt. I would say a tough bouncer is hired to tame a dirty bar. A tough bouncer is hired to tame a dirty bar. You know what I'm going to do? Uh, in, in this post episode 599 world where I could do whatever I want, 
I'm not even going to goddamn tell you the name of this movie from 1989. I'm going to tell you it's from 1989. I'm going to read that description of Tough Bouncers hired to tame a dirty bar. That's all you're goddamn well going to get, other than Patrick Swayze's in it. Uh-huh. Sam Elliott, who unfortunately I think has turned into a bit of an asshole. Uh, we've got Kelly Lynch. Oh, yeah, I wanted to... Uh, you, we've got your, your, your bad guy, Ben Gazzara pretty amazing uh yeah this is a i was gonna say a sort of a typical late 80s early 90s action movie kind of sort of kind of sort of you know your top gun you're just sort of a cool dude who's good at stuff who who, who gets the girl you know that, that sort of idea uh that's what it is it is good it is bad it is so bad it's good I highly recommend the movie that I'm talking about. I think I would give it a solid four, uh, with some just ridiculous five moments. Yeah. Just, just how is this even thing? You know what? They have Kevin Teague not playing a bad guy, which I thought was unusual. was not expecting it. Jeff Healy is the band in it. Canadian. Oh, I don't know. He's Canadian. Did I know he's Canadian? Hmm. Anyways, I'm just sort of clicking around IMDb as I go. Uh, moving on to from 2021. I feel like we're really going back and forth in terms of years here, which was unplanned. <clears throat> uh, from 2021, Pig. You hear this one? A truffle hunter who lives alone in Oregon wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved forging ping after she is kidnapped, played by other, none other, even... Then, oh boy, Nicholas Cage. Yes. Yes. This definitely falls into the uh, category of movie, which I feel like I haven't had in a while, of uh, heard a bunch of people on podcasts, on, you know, multiple different podcasts talking about how good it was. Uh, whenever that happens, I'll, you know, nine times out of 10, I will seek it out. And I'm glad I did because it was a very, very good movie. Nicholas Cage, I feel like. He's still got it. He's definitely still got it. One scene in particular, I, I very rarely do I make notes of any kind other than the name of the movie and the link to the IMDb. Oh, I didn't. Where's my note? Oh shit. I didn't put the note here. That's interesting. I just remembered it. <laughs> uh, there's a scene. Wow. Look at my memory working. There's a scene where he is talking to a restaurant owner restaurant owner who used to work for him sort of back in the day and has opened up this, you know, hoity toity sort of a, a fusion, small little, uh, meal kind of restaurant into, uh, seemingly Nicholas Cage almost has a photographic memory. Uh, a couple of times there's evidence of this, uh, in the movie and remembers how this guy wanted to open an Irish pub. And he just talks to him in such a way that. Uh, it, it's almost like he's breaking his brain. <laughs> uh, he's, he's breaking down this man's brain and you could sort of, uh, I'll, I'll give credit to the guy as well. Uh, you could sort of see on his face him, you know, starting in this sort of one form. And by the end of just this, uh, sort of monologue, almost he is like broken down into his parts and just an incredible performance on both sides, on both sides. But, uh, Nicholas Cage, yeah, he's, uh, there's times where he's very good and there's times where he's less good. I, I would say in pig, he's definitely very good. I would I highly recommend, uh, there's some, there's a few funny moments, but it's definitely a, a sad, uh, dark movie. Yeah. Very much a sad, dark movie. And also there's like a underground, <laughs> there's an underground chef fight club. Kind of does that exist? Is, is that pulled from reality at all? I hope. Uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of a little weird as well. It was, it, it had, you know what, uh, on that note, had a bit of a John Wick vibe, but instead of a, a, a dog being killed, a, a pig being kidnapped. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And, and instead of violence with guns, it is being a really good chef, I guess. Yeah. If that makes you want to watch it, Hey, more power to you. Moving back. Yeah, I was going to say moving on, but apparently we're going back and forth. Uh, from 1969, The Wild Bunch. Oh. 
An aging group of outlaws look for one last big score as the traditional American West is disappearing around them. Yeah, you know how I love a Sunday Western. This uh, falls into the category of what as well, which also I don't think I've had one in a minute of movies that I start to watch and then realize I've seen, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, I, I sort of started it and like, Oh, wait a second. A lot of this is familiar. And then, you know, you get a half an hour in and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I have seen this. Uh, you know, that's fine when that happens sometimes. I, it's not like I turned it off. It's a good movie on that note. Rating wise, solid. I, well, you know what? Westerns are tough because I feel like Western is a genre that if you don't like the genre, you're probably not going to like a Western movie, even if it's a really good one. Mm. There's probably exceptions to that. And maybe Unforgiven is what I'm thinking. Like that's just a good movie movie. Mm. This is maybe not on the level of Unforgiven. No offense, Ernest Borgnine. I fucking love Ernest Borgnine. I'll tell you that right now. He, uh, when did he pass away? Or is he still alive? If he's still alive, I'll be blown away. 2012. Okay. So quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. He he's, he's definitely always good. Ernest Borgnine. And, uh, he has probably one of my most favorite to say names, Ernest Borgnine, uh, starring William Holden, Robert Ryan, others that you might know, especially if you're into Westerns of this era. Uh, it's good. Yeah. It's a Western movie. What, uh, what more do you want? The wild bunch. Check her out. It's not a spaghetti Western. It's just like a Western Western, uh, moving back in time to 2016. Sully. Oh, when pilot Chesley <laughs> on the note of his first name being Chesley. I was upset when I found that out. Yeah. Genuinely just upset and a little disappointed that Sully Sullenberger, his first name is Chesley. Damn it. I'm still a little upset. Uh, when pilot Chesley, Sully Sullenberger lands his damaged plane on the Hudson river in order to save the flight's passengers and crew. Some consider him a hero while others think he was reckless. Uh, spoiler, he was a hero. Yeah, he wasn't reckless. It turns out, uh, interesting thing about this is it really kind of screwed up with my whole time stuff. So this happened in 2009, I think, right? Sully landing when I think it was 2009. It said it's a, yeah, 2009. This movie was in, uh, from 2016, as I said, and it's now 2022. I thought this landing was like maybe three years ago, maybe two years ago, like maybe four years ago, <laughs> but I didn't think it was in 2009. Uh, and I think some of the reason that my brain is mixed up when it comes to this whole Sully situation is that the movie came out in 2016 and then maybe that reignited me. You know, I think, I, I, I don't know what happened, but my, my, my brain and the timeline of the actual event of the movie and now is, is just fucked up. Yeah. So that's weird, right? Does anyone else? It's, it's, it's a Mandela effect, but with time, it's a time Mandela is what I'm going to call it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not dissimilar to my loving a Western on a Sunday. I love a Tom Hanks movie on a Sunday. Yeah. Nothing beats a Tom Hanks Sunday lying in bed with the missus, uh, movie, which is what we did with this. She's not so much into the Westerns. <laughs> not too surprising. I mean, she'd watch a Western. We watched, uh, what's a Benedict Cumberbatch one, not too, too long ago and, uh, enjoyed that. Uh, but you know, she's probably not going to watch the wild bunch from 1968, which, you know, that's, that's totally a valid, uh, not everyone's likes classic Westerns. <laughs> this is a very specific, uh, genre. Uh, this is also a specific genre, I guess. Reenactment. It's got some of that vibe. Uh, we've also got Aaron Eckhart who, uh, uh, I always enjoy. Uh, interesting thing about him 
at one point I said to the missus, uh, just because, you know, famously handsome Aaron Eckhart, I said, uh, how much do you think the, uh, he's playing the co-pilot. Uh, how much do you, uh, Jeff Skiles, uh, how much do you think Aaron Eckhart looks like the actual co-pilot? Uh, and we both figured, you know, probably not a lot, you know, being an incredibly handsome man. And then we Googled what the actual co-pilot looks like. And you know what? Looks a little like Aaron Eckhart. So that's, uh, that's some fun behind the scenes trivia for you. Uh, another interesting tidbit is we have, uh, Laura Linney and Anna Gunn. Uh, two actresses who play the wives of, uh, you know, one of Walter White and one of whatever the hell his name is from Ozark that I can't remember right now. So that's kind of weird, right? Kind of, kind of interesting that they're both in this. Hmm. I wonder if they talk shop of being the wives of fictional, uh, uh good guy turned bad. Z. Uh, silly rating wise, that was fine. Um, Sometimes I find these reenaction of actual events are kind of boring because, you know, quite often <laughs> things you write are more exciting because you can write anything. Whereas real life, uh, sure, anything can happen. So they say, but can it, can it. All right. That was the last movie. Let's move into television, the small screen. So they say, although you know, some of the things they're doing in television these days. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, yeah, the Mrs. And I finished Kim's convenience. Yes. Highly recommend, uh, you know, a, a Canadian classic up there with corner gas, some corner gassy vibes as well. Actually. Uh, I wonder if, um, you take, Okay, here, here, here's my theory, and here's the test I want to do with uh, zero resources so it won't happen. Take 100 Americans, take, uh, you know, uh, a dozen TV shows, uh, a dozen sitcoms, uh, and, and two of them have to be, uh, uh, some of them have to be, uh, okay, uh, Schitt's Creek, um, corner gas and Kim's convenience. Will those 100 Americans be able to distinguish which are the Canadian shows and which are the American sitcoms? I feel like the answer is yes. I feel like there is a distinctness, not only to the show itself, but the way it sort of looks and feels and sounds and the acting and the just overall, I feel like there is a vibe and it's a vibe I like, which is not too surprising being Canadian. Uh, but also one that is, I feel more relaxing and a little more subtle perhaps. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that sort of, and I don't think I'm the first to say this by any means, the combination of the British sense of humor and an American sense of humor. So, you know, you got the dryness of the British and the little more, you know, out there of the, uh, the U S yeah, a little more broad, you know, mix them both together and you get to a Canadian. Sure. That makes as much sense as anything. I uh, was a little disappointed with the season finale. Yeah. It just kind of felt like it hung there. You know what? Maybe. And I'm pretty sure it's still popular. Like I know it's a very popular show. Maybe they're setting it up to have a potential movie down the road or something to that effect. It just kind of felt like it didn't really tie much off and just sort of, you know, uh, nothing really, <laughs> you know what? I had a prediction from early on, uh, I think maybe season three or whenever it happened that the, uh, that either in the last season or the last episode, the mom was going to die. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that didn't happen. So, you know, my prediction was untrue, I guess is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, regardless, easy, easy. Uh, Kim's convenience, five out of five, highly recommend, uh, especially if anything I have said appeals to you moving on to, oh, a game, a game. You say power wash simulator. Now. Does that sound exciting? Does that sound like some a video game you would want to play? You, you're, you're, you have a power washer and you're going to simulate using it. No, it sounds boring as hell, but also 
fuck, I've been playing a lot of this. <laughs> it is just so zen and relaxing. Um, I played through the entire campaign. Well, they call it a campaign. Um, you know, hundred percent of everything and done something that I haven't really gone back and done in a game like this before, which is I started to go back to the beginning with all the sort of upgraded, uh, all of the upgraded like tools and stuff, uh, and, and just started playing it again from the beginning. <laughs> like I finished it and like, wow, okay, well I, I want to play more. And then I went back and played more. Uh, one interesting thing is this uh, game is still in early access, meaning that it's not quote unquote done. Although it's, it's definitely worth its money. I will say if you got the level of enjoyment and time spent that, uh, I did, you're, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. Uh, but, but also it means that, uh, in early access, they're probably still going to be adding things and hopefully levels because, you know, now that I'm done all the levels, uh, I, I need more. Uh, okay. So favorite levels, uh, uh, subway washroom. That one I enjoyed subway. I enjoyed skate park. I enjoyed ones where there's sort of like larger open spaces, uh, houses are okay. I, I, I probably skate park might be my favorite just cause let's say like one giant open space. Um, second time around doing it, I, I, I just like really took my time. Like I, I'm not going for speed runs in this by any means. Um, so, uh, you, you sort of get better nozzles that are able to do larger areas and stronger and further away and stuff like that. Uh, you've got the cleaners, the, the degreasers, whatever those I never really used and didn't really understand their use per se. Uh, I guess if you had like a really tough stain, you could use them. However, you could also just stay in one spot for a little while longer which, you know, I, I find the Zen in that to be, uh, uh, pay, it pays off more. Uh, I hope they have new stuff coming out. I will say fuck the Ferris wheel. <laughs> that one took me a goddamn long time. And also so did the, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, it's also a wheel. <laughs> Apparently I hate wheels. Uh, merry-go-round. Yeah, that one was, uh, because I'm dumb though, uh, you had to clean the poles, obviously of the merry-go-rounds that go up and down. Uh, so if it was stationary, you couldn't reach some of the poles that were sort of hidden within it. You know what I mean? Um, and I didn't realize that. So uh, like I'm, I'm a hundred percent done almost. And it's not sort of clicking like, okay, wh what do I still need to clean? Why, why can't I finish this? I, I don't see any dirt. This is clean. It's clean. Damn you. Um, uh, and then I had to push the button to turn it back on. <laughs> and then I saw the areas that I wasn't able to access. So yeah, that, uh, that was dumb on my part. There's a like literally a giant red button. Uh, and when you first get to this one, it's spinning around and you turn it, well, at least I turned it off just because I didn't want to listen to go around music for, you know, 40 minutes or however long it took. I feel like it took over an hour, that one. Uh, yeah, just fun, fun, relaxing, easy five out of five. This is, this is going up in my six out of fives, which are, uh, games that I leave installed. Yeah. Which I, you know, the five out of five, you could be a five out of five, but I, I feel like I've done this before given the odd six to games that I just going to leave installed, uh, and, and you know, periodically check for new levels is probably, I wonder if I could put like a reminder on or something that would let me know if a new level becomes available. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, power wash simulator, somehow, some way, very, very good. Also, Oh, you know what? That's a segue somehow, some way. Very, very good trial by Fieri. What now? Come again. Uh, yeah, let me open the, uh, uh, so yeah, Griffin, Griffin McElroy, uh, played through a randomized, um, Zelda. Oh shoot. Was it linked to the past? No, was it? Is that the link to the past? Do I have the right Zelda? Link to the past. I'm pretty sure it's that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he played uh, Zelda Link to the Past, streamed it, posted it on YouTube. Now he played a random, a randomized version, meaning uh, when you open a chest traditionally, 
you know, if you play this game enough and you open the same chest, it's always going to be the same item in that chest. And eventually, you know, you play it enough, you'll memorize it or you have a, a, a walkthrough and you'll be like, oh, okay, I know this is in this chest. Um, however, once you randomize everything, you have no idea what is going to be in the chest when you open it. There are exceptions, uh, you know, the things that, Say in a dungeon, there'll be a key that you need to open the door, uh, without it, you can't proceed. That key might still be there, you know, that sort of thing. Nothing game breaking, although game bending, certainly. Uh, also he made the uh, link look like Guy Fieri. Link looked like Guy Fieri in this. In the, uh, in the final episode, uh, in which he beat Ganon. Yes. Uh, he dressed as a uh, Griffin dressed as a uh, Guy Fieri. So, you know, that was pretty, pretty, pretty good. So it was the whole thing. Uh, it was how many episodes was it? It's 13, 10, uh, 11, 12. <laughs> oh my God. 12. I think, uh, yeah, this is the last one, right? We just, I'm opening it to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was 12 episodes all, you know, an hour and change long. Uh, and you know, just seeing a, a, a game that I have played and beat, uh, uh, played by someone where everything is randomized. That in itself was fa fascinating. Uh, he's a funny dude, obviously. So that, you know, little cherry on top was nice. Also when he beat the game and it took him like a long time, uh, because he, well, made it very hard on himself through various uh, means, let's say, uh, including one hit kills. So uh, yeah, that was insane. That was an insane choice. So on top of all this random stuff, if he got hit by anything, it would immediately kill him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so beating the final boss of the game took a while. It took like, I think it was the whole episode, like an hour and change just to, you know, rinse and repeat uh, death after death after death. But, uh, he did it in the end and the sense of accomplishment he felt was just so visceral. Uh, it came through the screen so strongly that I, I very much felt it with him. It reminded me, uh, very much of the feeling I had when I beat the game, uh, which was not too, too long ago. Like, uh, this was a game that I didn't own, but I did rent a bunch of times and was never able to beat it in the, in, in the time of renting also because, um, I didn't really have, you know, internet to look for guides back then. So probably got stuck because it is a, you know, complicated, uh, difficult to determine sometimes what you should need to be doing game. Uh, so there's that as well. Uh, uh so. Uh, I borrowed it from a friend a couple of years ago. I must have spoken it on the podcast. Uh, and when I beat it then, you know, as a, a 30 something year old man, it felt good. It felt real good. So I, it was a little bit of a, a feeling of that returning, which I enjoy. So I mention here. Uh, moving on to Ben Schwartz from Sonic the Hedgehog 2 being totally. Oh, yeah. So Ben Schwartz will uh, uh, apparently do, uh, uh, interviews with Polygon, uh, and sit down with, uh, Patrick Gill. And so they have a very uh, humorously contentious relationship. Seemingly, um, I would recommend you watch the first interview. And if you like that, you watch this second interview, hopefully, you know what? I hope they make a third Sonic movie just so I can see these two have another interview again. Cause they're delightful together. Um, I guess Patrick is the straight man for Ben, but it kind of goes back and forth and you kind of don't know. <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels a little real, <laughs> which it, it, it clearly doesn't, uh, or clearly isn't, but sometimes their antagonism between one another. This one was interesting as well because it had, uh, Ben wasn't in studio with Patrick instead. Someone was sitting in his place with a, like an iPad taped to his face, basically. Uh, so, you know, and another level and you know, they talked of, uh, Sonic related stuff, which is fine. I suppose I've never been a huge Sonic fan, although I did uh, enjoy the first movie. Uh, yeah, it was good. It you know what? That falls into the aforementioned category of, uh, movies heard a bunch of people on podcasts say is good and decided to check it out. I'm glad I did. So 
hopefully the second one is also good. As long as Ben Schwartz is involved, uh, it almost felt like with that first one, I don't know how accurate this is, but I know he does and has done sort of punch up before that he came into the project and really sort of jazzed it up a little bit, added his, uh, his comedic flair, which is very flary, very flary. Oh, huh. Okay. Uh, I was wondering why, uh, okay. So uh, for some reason, and I actually don't know why, uh, when I open up the link to this, as we see this next television show, um, it's opening up one of my character sheets to one of my D and D players. And I think I must've just cut and paste the wrong link. So I'm like, what, why is this open? <laughs> my, my character, Desanavos, he's a water Ganassi, which is why his name is Desani Voss. Uh-huh. He's a Southern type gentleman, a cleric nine wizard two. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, he's an arcana cleric. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I think maybe I read his backstory once on the podcast. It's got a plus two breastplate, which is pretty nice. Sentinel shields. Uh, his passive perception is 24 because of that. Uh, the wisdom of 10, the sentinel shield, pretty good, pretty good. Um, his, uh, he's a conjuration wizard, uh, just because I wanted a little wizardy just to get some cantrips. And also I enjoy the second level ability to, uh, conjure little things like he can conjure like a little chair, say, uh, and he's very sort of chill and relaxed. So that suits his personality. He has an intelligence of nine. Oh, of eight. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, you know, being a wizard, the only spell he basically the only wizard spell he has memorized is shield. And then he has a bunch of ritual ones. Uh, you know, it's one way to do it. I guess you got to have that shield, right? It's, it's too hard not to pass up. We've got booming blade, firebolt guidance, light mage hand mending, which he has from a needle of mending, which is a magic item, uh, message, minor illusion, shape, water, thaumaturgy, toll the dead. Those are just as cantrips. Those are just as cantrips. Why don't I tell you what spells he has now with a cleric, you could switch your spells in and out, uh, every day. I, I kind of shy away from that. I, I kind of just pick ones that I like and just keep them that way. Yeah, I, I know it's not the most tactical to do it that way, but it, I kind of don't care. And I, I kind of just feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I like getting in the groove of the spells I have a little bit. Also with a arcana cleric, the thing that's nice is, uh, if I, uh, cure wounds can also, you know, cure poison, uh, because you can use spells to cancel spell effects. You can use healing spells to cancel spell effects simultaneously. So that's, that's sort of huge in terms of, uh, opening up and playing this way that I normally like to play where you, you just sort of pick your spells and you don't change them every day. Like you are able anyways, I've got bless I've got comprehend languages as a ritual. I've got cure wounds. I've got detect magic. I've got floating disc as a ritual. I got healing word. I got identify as a ritual. I got magic missile. I got sanctuary shield. Hey, shields. Come on. I've got shield of faith, which is a nice combo. Sometimes I'll do those both shield of faith to get me up to 22 and then shield up to 27, uh, armor class. Whew, baby. I've got unseen servants where I can summon Belvedere as again, as a ritual, uh, arcanist magic aura. Yeah. <laughs> I say that, uh, because you know, it's a spell I've never used and can't think of a situation. I will use it in, but it's just a spell I got, uh, levitate because I've got boots of levitation. Thank you. Uh, locate object. That one's pretty cool. Uh, magic weapon. Mm, I don't know if I've used that one. Cause I think everyone in our party now has magic weapons. So, uh, prayer of healing. 
Gotta love it. A uh, spiritual weapon. Mine looks like a giant pen because the pen is mightier than the sword. Animate dead. Ooh, a little necromancy. Yeah, he likes having some undead servants. Uh, again, he's sort of a lazy uh, individual, so to have the help of some zombies or skellies appeals. Uh, dispel magic, magic circle, which we've used once. I think if you can get in, it takes 10 minutes. It takes a minute to cast. So very much limits it. It's sort of a, something you do to prep for a battle that you know is going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, revivify. Haven't had to use that yet. Sending very helpful, especially when uh, one of your party members always <laughs> fucks off, uh, speak with the dead. Yeah. I've used that a couple times. Very helpful. Uh, arcane eye. Cool one. I've used that a bit. Death Ward has literally saved my life from a, a death spell. Lovely. Uh, Leoman's Secret Chest. Haven't used it yet. Sadly. Uh, gaze or Geese. I'm pretty sure it's Gaze. This is my fifth level spell. Uh, Planar Binding. If we find a situation where I can use that, you know. TBD, I guess. Uh, I feel like that might be another one I'd never use. Uh, teleportation circle. Now we're playing Dungeons of the Mad Mage, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which means teleportation stuff is iffy at best. So that spell probably won't work. Uh, and that's it. There you go. For some reason, through a sheer accident, I had that open and read you all the spells. Why? I don't know. Moving on to from 2022, as we see it, oh, an Amazon original three autistic roommates find a way to live together and strive for similar things in life. Starring, uh, uh Rick Glassman, which is how I, uh, came it, uh, came it, came to it. Uh, yeah, this is a very, uh, good show. I laughed. I cried. Hey, what, what more can you say? Uh, Joe Montagna playing Rick Glassman's dad. Uh, we've got Sue Ann Pien, Albert Rutecki, Chris Peng, Sosie Bacon, which is, you know, Kevin Bacon's daughter. Not too many people with the last name Bacon out there. I guess you could have probably done the math. Uh, what I like about this is I have a nephew who's, uh, uh, autistic, I was going to say severely autistic, but I don't know if that is a term that one would wish used, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I hesitate clearly to say it. Uh, so, you know, to, to see this and know that, uh, all of them, some degree or another actually suffer, well, suffer from have, uh, autism find myself being very careful with how I say this, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you know, I'm a 40 year old dude who grew up in an age where saying the R word was, you know, an everyday occurrence and no big deal. So to be in this day and age and find that, uh, uh, not only is that horrible, which it is clearly, but, uh, that you worry about saying something offensive. I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think maybe if we all took a little time, uh, and thought about what we said before we said it, this world would be a better place. Hey, how about that for a thought? So that's uh, what you're hearing here probably is me, uh, you know, pussyfooting, which is maybe something, well, what's a pussyfoot? I think there's a, where did I see it? It's like a, <laughs> a fleshlight in the shape of a foot. Come on. I mean, I'm not going to yuck your yum, but <laughs> do those sell well? I wonder. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyways, how we got from autism to politically correct, correctness to <laughs> fucking fleshlight shaped like feet. I'll never know. And I'll never tell, but as we see it is a delight. Um, like with any good media, I feel like you find that you are able to put yourself in the sort of place, consider the viewpoints of the people you are watching or reading about, or having a video game experience with, you can, you could sort of get into their mindset a little bit. So, uh, over the course of these, you know, eight episodes, you, I feel like come to understand a little more. 
and the fact that there's so many, uh, autistic people involved, uh, I don't know if they're involved with the writing or other aspects of it, but, uh, the three, you know, uh, roommates are IRL have different levels of autism. Uh, Joe Montagna, who, who I mentioned, uh, he has a son, I believe, or is a daughter, it doesn't matter, uh, who's autistic. So, you know, you've got people involved who care about this and want to have others. I feel like you can almost think of this, have others sort of sympathize, empathize and realize that just because, uh, maybe these people's brains work a little different than ours doesn't mean that they are less than, uh, so it was a delight on many levels and I highly recommend easy five out of five. And apparently there's some Oscar buzz. Oh, wow. Isn't that nice? Um, I guess that's it. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice, nice long episode, I suppose folks. What else is there? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Maybe I will just briefly mention I've been playing, uh, still cataclysm dark days ahead and man, the fun I've been having, uh, while recording these, uh, long plays, it, it's just like, it's clearly I'm excited. It's that sort of like where I forget to eat or drink. Uh, I, I recorded one yesterday, like eight and a half hours. It was eight and a half hours long. And I, 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 like didn't eat or drink. <laughs> the, that's how much I got into it. Now that's probably unhealthy an unhealthy level of, uh, uh, fun to be had. And I hope it comes across, but I also worry that these are not very good or interesting. Um, the lack of feedback sort of causes that worry to grow. Now I watch them, which is not something I do with my contents. Like I've been watching my Skyrim long plays and there's things I see that I don't like about them. Like, I feel like, uh, uh, I'm playing this character, the librarian. And I feel like when he had one of the NPCs with him for us, for one of the storylines, he was uh, mean to her <laughs> and I didn't actually care for it, which is interesting. So I'm going to sort of make a mental note to myself to, uh, because these are supposed to be relaxing and just sort of chill. Uh, I'm going to make, I've made a mental note that in future, he's just going to kind of be nice to everyone, regardless of circumstances for the most part. Uh, I mean, come on. Um, and there's not really NPCs there is in, in CDDA, but you know, they're not exactly verbose, let's say, uh, anyways, uh, like it, it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun folks. I don't know what's it's nice. To be nice to the nice that was the